Brought to you by JMR Rentals, professional digital cinema and broadcast equipment rentals in Brooklyn, New York. JMRNY.com. Hello and welcome to No Rest for the Weekend, where we go behind the scenes and talk to the creators of independent entertainment. I'm Jason Godby, and joining me via Zoom today, he is the writer-director of the award-winning series Undependent, Mr. Ray Harrington. Welcome, Ray. Hi, thanks so much for having me. Hey, man, thanks for, uh, thanks for joining me. It's, it's, it's great to have you. You got a killer podcast, Mike, uh, which is so helpful. <laughs> you know, you, like, these days in, in COVID times, I got, you know, it's usually somebody's talking to me on a phone or a laptop and yeah, I really appreciate the good sound quality and I think the listeners will as well. So uh, I want to get into it. I want to talk about Undependent, but first I want to talk to you about you uh, and kind of see how you got into this whole mess. Um, what is your origin story? <laughs> I appreciate that. And, and the phrasing of that sounded like this was our first therapy session. You know, I want to hear more about you and how you got into this mess, you know, and uh, but no, I, uh, I, um, it, it's kind of a funny story the way we we ended up with uh, doing the show, but I guess you wanted more about uh, me. Um, I'm a stand up comic, first and foremost. Uh, that's my, uh, my full time job and uh, my my passion. Um, and then uh, filmmaking is, you know, it started out as more something I, I loved. I loved film uh, in general. And, uh, and then uh, doing stand-up comedy, you, you surround yourself with uh, creative people and inevitably uh, a lot of that creative um, uh, energy kind of overflows from one medium to the next. And uh, so I found myself doing, you know, sketches and short films and things like that. And, um, and uh, at somewhere along the way, uh, just beyond doing, you know, silly, fun, short films with my friends and, and some sketch stuff. Uh, I started talking about making a documentary and, uh, and, uh, the idea was initially this, I, this concept of, um, uh, you know, I didn't have a dad growing up and, and, you know, I was looking at starting a family with my wife and, and what does it mean to be a man and the typical, masculine things uh that i thought i didn't know from growing up uh that i i only learned from tv and movies and uh and then my wife told me that she was pregnant and uh my uh you know fellow comedian and and, and very close friend uh derek Furtado and i started talking more about this documentary and it felt like with that ticking clock it needed to happen and so I think uh, being naive and not being um, familiar with a lot of the filmmaking world uh, allowed me to step into something that I probably had no business doing at first. Um, and so it was just uh, some friends and, and some cameras and um, raising a little bit of funds to, uh, to, to get some gear. And we made this documentary and that was my first, uh, that was my first experience with directing and also being in front of the camera for a, a feature. And uh, so we made that movie and, um, you know, started doing some festivals and we were lucky enough to uh, get distribution. We were on Hulu with that and uh, and we had a lot of fun with uh, with making it and, and the process. And then once it was done, 
it was kind of an odd thing. I, I'm a stand-up comic and people were asking, are you going to do another documentary? And, uh, and I, it felt disingenuous to, to do another documentary and kind of shove myself in front of the camera and go, oh, how do I feel about this one? And uh, so we started talking about what that next step would be. And, uh, and it was undependent. Uh, so it, it, it's, it's very strange. I, I've really enjoyed the, the world of movies and television and making things in that, that world. Um, but yeah, definitely a, a stand-up comic first and foremost. Did I ramble too much? I did. It's COVID, man. I, ha I haven't talked to like anybody. You're the first adult <laughs> outside of my wife and six-year-old I've talked to in, I don't know, 72 hours. I'm probably more on par with the six-year-old than your wife, but it's okay. So you made a documentary. You made a, a, a feature film documentary. What was the name of that? Uh, that was called Be a Man. Um, okay. And uh, it was really just an examination of, of you know, it was kind of a journey documentary following me attempting to learn the, the prototypical manly things like fighting and drinking and cars and all that stuff. And uh, so I, I put myself in these situations and of finding my, my signature manly drink uh, by sitting down and, and drinking, I think, oh my God, uh, 10 or 15 mixed drinks in an hour and picking the right one and uh, fighting five-time world champion Vinny Pazienza uh, in the boxing ring and, and things like that. So, um, it was, it was a lot of fun. It was so gorilla. Uh, it, it was, you know, it, I think four or five people, uh, just everybody grab a camera let's shoot this thing. And, um, looking back, I really just, I had no business trying to do it, but I'm so proud of what we accomplished with that. And it's so personal. Um, I think the, uh, the pride in that is, is warranted. Um, uh, and, and it was a crash course in film and, and learning more about how to make things. And uh, I've always had a, a bone for that. A bone for that? What am I saying? This interview's off the rails. I've had a bone for that? You're doing fine. Oh, You're doing fine. Strike it um, from the record. But so that and then you came to Undependent. Now, what is Undependent about? Like, give me, give me like the log line, like the Hollywood... Uh, pitch for that show knowing a little bit of my backstory this is going to come out of left field uh undependent is about two documentary filmmakers who had some success making a documentary now desperate to figure out what the doc next documentary will be uh and every uh every episode or week um these two you know buffoons are going to go out and try and make the next, you know, super popular documentary, the water cooler conversation documentary series on Netflix or something like that. Their egos and their, their, their flaws will always get the best of them in every situation. They're two guys you end up rooting for, but also you're very excited to see how they will fail. This is very meta, <laughs> you know, this is very, very autobiographical. You, you, cause you, you kind of approach a danger zone because you've got like camera crews watching camera crews type of thing and at, at some point um you know it's like when does it stop the making of the making of the making of was there was there any point where you guys had to say oh wait this is too much this is too our, our head is up our own ass kind of uh situation Did, was there any kind of what was the line of demarcation to stop that well, i i personally love uh i love when projects go meta, I really do enjoy that kind of nod to everything. I think it comes from stand-up for me, uh, being a stand-up comedian on stage. 
for myself, I'm very, very in the moment. I like to talk to people. I like to riff. I like to play. The most obvious thing that is uh, in front of you uh, as an audience or as a comedian is the fact that a show is happening. So using the show as uh, commenting on the show itself is definitely a through line for me. So it just naturally carried over to uh, filmmaking because it's that's what we're doing, right? And uh, especially in documentary, every single documentary has a crew of people, either one person or a hundred, uh, trying to tell a story. Uh, they're there specifically to capture the thing and to pretend uh, otherwise, I think is, is a little disingenuous. That's why I like documentaries um, that I gravitate more towards documentaries that are um, a little more honest about that. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I understand that anything like that is going to have a narrative, uh, you know, it has a narrative, it's going to, it's going to follow that. Um, but uh, when it comes to that meta kind of world and kind of stepping back another breaking, breaking the fourth wall, uh, I, I love stuff that lives in the fourth wall, where there is no fourth wall, the whole thing is there. Um, and I think in documentary, you have an ability to not so much have the making of something, but the, the thing that is being made is what you're watching. Um, and that's what undependent really is. It's, uh, it's kind of uh, found footage almost. It's the, 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 what we're watching as, as an audience is the footage that the camera crew is shooting um, while they're also shooting this documentary. Uh, so it's the, it's them trying to figure everything out. So, I mean, I'm personally, uh, I want to go even further down the meta rabbit hole, uh, with the show we've talked about where it can go. Uh, I would love to, to see these guys eventually get to a place where, uh, they have a little bit of success and turn on each other. And one of the things that I was pitching, uh, Derek Furtado and, and, uh, our, our product, uh, producing partner, Lee Leshen, uh, is uh, I really wanted to see this happen. Uh, they split the crew. They decide they don't want to be buddies anymore. They're done with each other and they have to divvy up the camera crew like it's children in a divorce. And then they start fighting about who, who can appear in the other person's documentary and they, they want their faces blurred. And then you just get blur on blur on blur and, you know, things like that. I love the idea of getting as meta as possible because the, uh, the documentary, the mockumentary, right. The fake documentary format in, in comedy is so uh, normalized. Now it's so prevalent that you can get a show like modern family for a hundred seasons that is mockumentary with no, with no documentary happening. There's no crew shooting anything. Um, so I think, I think the world of getting into that meta place, we're just dipping our toe into it. I think there's way more we can play with. Yeah, I, I would imagine that um, with this sort of thing, because you're doing this, it's all like cinema verite. Like all of this is, is happening and it feels very like I'm staging it, but we're showing the fact that we're staging it, therefore it doesn't look staged. Is it really written out? Like, is it is it more free form? Are you guys improvising dialogue, or is this strictly like really tightly scripted? We started writing more towards uh, giving ourselves the opportunity to, you know, improvise more scenes and and play around. Uh, the scripts came from uh, Derek and I, uh, you know, improvising together, and then I would go and 
write these scenes out and figure everything out and, uh, you know, stitch everything together. Um, and then we expected to have more improv, uh, in the, in the shooting process, but we were so crunched for time. We shot two, uh, 22 minute episodes in four days. Uh, so we just had no time. So it, it, it really was stick to the page. A couple of little improvised lines got in there, um, that I'm thrilled with. Uh, but, uh, yeah, the, the, the project was so fast that we, uh, we really just had to get what was on the page. So, um, this, uh, this first chunk of, uh, of episodes are, um, pretty close to what was on the page. I'd say about 90, 95%. And, uh, um, you know, in the future, uh, more room to play would be great. Um, uh, I'll just, I would just take an extra day. I would like one extra day, uh, to, to just, uh, I probably sleep, probably sleep in those four days would be better, but, um, yeah, it was, it was pretty close to the page. It's interesting that you said that because it doesn't feel tightly scripted, which I think is a testament to you guys and how naturalistic you are because, oh, thank you. you know, because when you're. When you're doing that kind of thing, if it feels really scripted, then you've kind of failed. Yeah, exactly. You know, because you're trying to get this very cinema verite. It doesn't feel like acting kind of thing. The minute somebody's like, this sounds like dialogue, then, you know, that's where you fall off the cliff, I would imagine. Uh, And I was going to ask you in terms of like challenges, did you, was the biggest challenge kind of like getting it? done in the crunch that you had and I, I don't know how much budget you had to work with was there ever a challenge of like maybe because you have if you have people filming people then you need double the crew you know uh did you have that issue where you had no like- we uh we we, we we lucked out by having a, a very small crew that really got what we were going for um and it really just came down to being careful about the moments that we wanted to see crew uh, we also didn't want to make this uh, because because the the camera crew is there and recording everything. Well, we don't have to worry about blocking. We'll just eh, make it up. And if somebody's in the background, so be it. We wanted those moments where you could see the camera crew to to be very specific and kind of remind you that this was happening or use it for a punchline for a joke or a nice button, something like that. Um, so we were just careful with that. And uh, we we just had two. Uh, awesome uh, camera guys and uh, and then our sound guy and and uh, two other two other people kind of running around doing what they could and uh, so it was a really small crew um, and I, I think if I had you know if I had my druthers right that's not a word we don't we hear enough anymore if I had my druthers uh, I would ha- I would have had more people more money and more time right that that would be great oh man uh, <laughs> but. It, it was, um, I think it was just enough. I think the small crew allowed us to move quickly, which we had to, but it also gave us that more of that sense of, of these guys and their struggle of just, you know, fast and loose. And we just, we got to get the shot and we'll do it. Um, yeah, I think, uh, I think playing with that, that space, as long as you're careful with it, it can be really fun. Um, but to be lazy and just use it as an excuse to why, oh, that's why you see a boom mic, because it's supposed to be there. Then it's just lazy. Um, yeah, it, it, it needs to be intentional. Yeah, because, well, I had the, one of the questions I had, because I remember um, working on different projects and, and, you know, you have those writer, writer's room moments where you kind of like try to, well, okay, so if it's found footage, right? 
there are moments that don't seem like found footage. Like um, in the, I think I watched the pilot episode and it starts with you trying to get a job. Right, right. Now, are we to believe that there's a camera crew shooting you while you're trying to get a job? Or is that no, the and movie camera? Like, is that like a separate kind of thing? Yeah, that's a that's the uh, you know the the um, uh, the the single cam, regular kind of uh, uh, you know process. It's not the documentary happening at that point. Uh, and we we used we kind of used that as a you know we wanted a moment where people realize, wow, okay, this is this is a camera crew now. Uh, so that whole opening interview is, uh, you know, we used uh, letterboxing, we used a, a really blue filter on there, and we kept everything very cinematic, and all the shots are locked down um, because we didn't want any movement there. So just keep it as cinematic as possible, and then uh, let the credit sequence roll, and uh, the opening credits, and then right as, as soon as that's done, just give people like a real shock to the system of cutting to you know the full screen shaky cam we see the crew um and and have that moment happen and and really i think i i think it was it, it served two purposes one to highlight the fact that this was a different thing um because it's not like the office right the office is you know mockumentary with a camera crew following subjects um this is if the office camera crew turned the cameras on themselves and that's the show we were watching. Um, so this gets extra muddy in how we have to, uh, you know, when I was writing this, it was like, okay, how do I properly lay out, how do I lay the pipe for this? So people understand what's happening here so we can get to the funnies um, that it served that purpose. And then also, uh, I just I really liked the interview scene and I wanted to to have that in there. Uh, and this was a fun way to do it without having a camera crew. We had another scene written uh, that would have explained having a camera crew there. And, and, you know, and then we realized it's like, OK, this is this is like a 20 minute explanation of doing this. So uh, by having that kind of open on a, a single cam and then switch to the mockumentary, I thought it was a little more fun. Yeah, that's that's kind of the central problem I find with found footage movies because there usually comes a point in them where it doesn't work, you know? Right, like, right. There's usually a point where you're like, okay, nobody's going to pick up a camera and film the killer as they're running at them with the knife. Nobody's going to do that. And, and in certain movies, there's kind of a shift, like maybe towards the climax or something where it kind of shifts and you're like, okay, we don't know what this camera is now, but now we're in a movie kind of thing. Uh, and, and you really got to delineate the two. Otherwise, it is incredibly confusing for the audience. Right. And that's why that that uh, single cam style, it's just that interview. Uh, that's the first thing we see the rest of the show. hundred percent. Um, you know, it's it's the, the the documentary crew. And I'm glad that you brought that up because, uh, you know, there there are many, uh, many little jokes or scene ideas that we have played with for down the line. You know, if, if we make more. Uh, that really emphasize exactly the issue that you're talking about. We have a whole episode uh, that I would love to do uh, where these guys want to do a survivor kind of documentary. They go out in the woods with an intense survivalist guy and they have their camera crew and uh, they go to bed. The, the, the guy takes their cell phones, everything away. They go to bed in the morning, they wake up. Uh, their survivalist has died in his sleep in his tent. And then these two, uh, these two idiots are left in the woods with no way to get out. 
and I think the entire episode, it, it, like what we talked about doing, it's like a joke about the situation and then a joke about the absurdity of a camera crew being with these guys, uh, which is most of those, those you know, Survivor Man and, and Bear Grylls kind of shows where they're doing this intense thing. It's like, uh, the per I don't think you're as hard as you think you are. I think the, 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 the poor jerk schlepping a camera through the jungle is, is a tougher person to deal with this because uh, they have like 20 pounds on their shoulder and, and they're, they're, you know, uh, setting up a shot. Uh, so, you know, playing with a lot of those things, I totally agree with you. Any, especially in horror, I think when you get into found footage for horror, at some point it's like, oh, listen, just put the camera down, just run, throw the camera at them, throw the camera, take the battery out. That gives you another projectile, you know, throw everything at them. And, and by the end, you're flicking SD cards at them. Uh, <laughs> you have to do it, but I totally agree. And again, to get into that meta place, that's where the show would have lived this, uh, you know, undependent kind of lived in that fourth wall. I know exactly what you're saying because I, I've, I, when I see stuff like that and a lot of documentary stuff, because I work as a camera operator and I've been a camera op and an editor and stuff like that. And I always think about the guy who's, you know, got the easy rig on and he's got the, you know, some heavy cinema camera and he's running after some dude through the woods, sweating bullets, you know, and you know, that guy, uh, yeah, he is. He he's the real hero of this show, right? Yeah, it's not it's not the uh, American crabbers or whatever they are that the 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 fishing the fishing show where they it's like the deadliest. Oh cancer. yes, it's yes. the schmuck cameraman who's got to keep the he's got to he's yes. got to get the shot while these people are risking their lives. Yeah. Oh, Jesus. it's really dangerous for deadliest catch guy to be you know hauling crab uh, uh, crab traps back onto the boat. It's like yeah, try doing that with a rig on your shoulder and just standing there going, I hope we don't get a good wave through here. Uh, Cause I'm over the edge. It's, uh, <laughs> it's very true. Yeah. And it's good. To, it's a really good thing to be hold, holding electrical equipment. while you're yeah, <laughs> Right. Right. And I think we've lucked out too with, with that, because uh, like I said, our crew was a crew of people that just really got the idea of the, of the show. Um, and our, our two camera operators, uh, uh, or our director of photography, Thomas Fishwick, um, uh, worked on comedians and cars getting coffee. And, and then, uh, uh, Derek Kunzer, uh, our, our second camera guy, um, has done a ton of documentary. So they really appreciated the, you know, the nod towards trying to get stuff done and trying to make a thing. And, uh, and I think that was a, a big through line through this. I think I, it's kind of a love letter to, um, creative stuff i think anybody that has to try and do something anybody that's ever heard oh you're chasing your dream uh will absolutely understand that sometimes that's a nightmare oh my god i felt so much as someone who has worked many a day job i felt so much in that uh first scene with it <laughs> i was like oh my god I've, I've been there i'm gonna wrap up soon but i would love to know what are the plans for the series at this point what's the next step for you guys yeah, so uh, the show kind of um, hit a hit a odd curveball here with uh, coronavirus. Um, you know, originally it was uh, supposed to be a two episode pilot. Uh, we were talking to a network, um, and uh, and that was right before everything stopped. And uh, so then we were sitting on 
these two episodes uh, and networks not making anything uh, and unsure if they were even going to be able to continue making what they were already uh, that, that they already had on the books. Um, so we talked about what we were going to do and decided that we wanted to put it out uh, so people could see something. Cause I was, I was going through just like, please give me something new in front of my eyeballs. I'm running out of things. And uh, so we cut the show into uh, a six part web uh, web series and so we have that now. And uh, once things come back to some kind of normal, um, you know, uh, we'd love to continue making the show. Uh, if that exists in a standard 22-minute format, great. If not, web is uh, super fun. And uh, we'll see what happens. And if, and if none of those things, and I end up just dedicating my life to an OnlyFans, so be it. Uh, speaking of OnlyFans... Um... Where can we find you and your work on the web? You can find me on uh, on the big flannel on OnlyFans. No, uh, uh, you can find me on rayharringtoncomedy.com. Uh, that's where that's kind of the landing page for all the things uh, you can uh, find undependent there. Uh, the documentary, Be a Man, things like that. Uh, and then, you know, all the social media links are there. Ray Harrington on Twitter and, and all the places. Um so yeah, that's where I am. Great, thank you so much. And um, you know, when you do uh, have something else, come on back. We'll love to have you again. All right. Does OnlyFans count for that too? Uh, well, you know, maybe not. <laughs> but, oh, all right, all right. But you can like within to our reason. Instagram <laughs> within reason. <Yeah. laughs> all right, I'm gonna wrap up. Uh, thank you so much for taking this trip down the rabbit hole. For more of our content, including our movie reviews, visit our website, NoRestForTheWeekendPodcast.com. Don't forget to like, rate, and subscribe on your favorite podcast app. Once again, I want to thank my guest, Ray Harrington, and I want to thank our sponsor, JMR Rentals. For Behind the Rabbit Productions, I'm Jason Godby. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next time.